give you a hypothetical situation. Is that okay? I'm going to start things off just a little bit different than I normally do. Let's say God spoke to you. You believe God still speaks to people? Do you believe that? If you believe that, raise your hand. I believe that God speaks to people. Amen. And let's say that God told you to go to a certain place and to tell those people that they need to follow him or they could be in danger of judgment. Because that's spreading the gospel, right? That's what the gospel is. That's telling the world that, that if they don't turn to Jesus, then they, can, they are in danger of, of standing before God and ultimately being lost. And then let's say you did that, and then, then everybody that you just spoke to repented of their sin. Could you imagine that? Just think, you, you can't go to hardly three people today and tell them about the gospel and get one of them to repent, let alone a whole city or a whole group of people of any number. And let's say everybody repents, and that causes the city management to say, hey, everybody, we're going we're gonna to fast, and we're going to serve God, and we're going to ask Him to forgive us of our sins. And then all of a sudden, a citywide revival breaks out. What would you think about that? Let me ask you this. Let me put it this way. And, and it's sort of a, a different way to ask this. But what emotion do you think you would experience if that happened? Because we all experience emotions, right? Now, personally, I'm not a very emotional guy. I really am not. But, but, but we all experience emotions. And I would say that most people, if that were to happen to you, that you would probably be happy, wouldn't you? You would be rejoicing. You would be surprised. You would be elated. And you would be glad that these people did not have to face God in judgment and that everybody repented. I mean, to me, that would be a reason for celebration. Amen? But how about this? Would any of you be angry about it? That's a strange thing to say, isn't it? How can anybody be angry about that? Let's turn to the book of Jonah this morning. And, and, and some of you knew where I was going with that illustration and with that thought. But the book of Jonah, chapter number 2, if you're looking for Jonah in your Bible, you'll find him right after Obadiah. Because I'm sure for most of you it's a lot easier to find Obadiah than Jonah. And if you can't find them, then you'll find Micah. And Jonah is right before Micah. So, so if, if anybody can't find it or if you're confused, you can just stand up and look at the screen. How about that? We'll just stand up and look at the screen because some of you uh, I see are just flipping like crazy. But let's go to Jonah, and I'm going to read just, just a few verses. I'm actually going to read two entire chapters, but it's just about 20 verses. So just, just stay with me. We all know the story of Jonah, or at least you should. Verse number 9 says this of Jonah chapter 2. Jonah is in the belly of the big fish and he says, But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Do you see that line? Salvation is of the Lord. And it says, And the Lord spake unto the fish and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. And the, Lord, and the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey, meaning it, it takes three days to walk across it. 
And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, This is the message that Jonah preached right here. Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, and proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him, and covered him with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and cry mightily unto God, Yea! Let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? Stay with me here. And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them and he did it not. Chapter 4, verse 1. Here's the message. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God. And merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. And Jonah asked God to do something. He says, Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. And then God asked a question. And when God asked a question, he knows the answer. Then said the Lord, Doest thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth, or made him a little hut, if you will, and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come over Jonah that it might be shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. There's another emotion. But God prepared a worm. When the morning rose the next day, and it smote the gourd, and it withered. And it came to pass, when the sun did arise, that God prepared a vehement east wind. And the sun beat upon the head of Jonah, that he fainted, and wished in himself to die. And said, It is better for me to die than to live. Verse 9, we're almost done. It says, And God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? This is what Jonah said, and he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for that which thou hast not labored, neither madest it to grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city wherein are more than six score thousand persons, six hundred thousand people that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle. Now let's pray one more time. Father, we love you. And God, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. And God, as the word goes out, Lord, I just pray that you would touch people. And God, that you would deal with hearts. 
And Lord, whatever it may be that needs to be done this morning, God, I just pray that you would do it. And God, that the Holy Spirit would continue to work in this place. God, I pray that you would use me as your vessel. Lord, I can do absolutely nothing without you. Lord, I stand here just in myself as an empty glove needing to be filled by the hand of God. Lord, I pray that you would give me clarity of mind and clarity of speech. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Is everybody familiar with this, this story? Is this pretty, pretty familiar territory for most of you? Jonah, we tend to focus on Jonah being in the fish, right? That, that, I mean, that's, that may be what the kids are learning this morning for all I know. And that's what we focus on. And we focus on the fact that God told Jonah to go one way and preach, which was to Nineveh. And Jonah had other plans and he went the other way to Tarshish. And so a great storm came and God prepared a big fish, or, or some people call it a whale. Now let me say this, that some people, even in the church world, don't believe that this really happened. Did you know that? that some people believe that this is just a fable, it's just an example of, of that, that we should listen to God. But I believe with all my heart this literally happened. Can you say amen to that? And you know why I believe that this happened? Because did you know that Jesus in his ministry made direct reference to Jonah? Did you know that? Jesus said that he would be in the belly of the earth, he's speaking of his death, just as Jonah was in the belly of the well for three days. In fact, this is the only Old Testament prophet that we ever hear Jesus even mention. He doesn't mention Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, any of these, Joel, or Daniel even. He doesn't mention these guys. He says, he talks about Jonah. Now the reason that we know about Jonah is because it's such an interesting story, Right? But really, when I said turn to Jonah this morning, it was a little hard to find. Wouldn't you say it was kind of, it's kind of an obscure place in your Bible. Just 48 verses, the entire book. But we know this story about a great fish. And the example I gave you of this city, Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. It was a wicked city. If I could compare it to somewhere today, I would say that, that it, would, it would just be something like we would consider a wicked place, Las Vegas or, or somewhere like that where there's just wickedness on every hand. And so uh, he says, Jonah, I want you to go preach to these people. And Jonah refuses, and so we, we end up, he ends up in the belly of the whale, and then the whale vomits him out, as it says in verse number 10, and the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah on dry land. And then we get to chapter 3, and it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah one more time and said, Go preach to the Ninevites. And so he goes, and he gives an eight-word sermon. Would that not be awesome sometimes? If I got up here to preach and, and said eight words and just sat down. But you know what? Jonah said those eight words over and over and over again. And, and I don't know why Jonah chose these words. I guess this is the message that God put, put in his mouth. I don't know. But he said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's all he said. He didn't say, hey, God can deliver you. He didn't say anything about God. He said, in 40 days... You're going to be overthrown. You're going to be destroyed. You better make sure your affairs are in order. Now I want you to understand that God must have went before Jonah and prepared these people to hear this message because it said that they immediately began to repent of their sin. That the, the, the king actually called a fast and said, Hey, don't anybody eat, don't anybody drink. He said, because we need to get down to business with God. 
And again, if that happened here, it would be so awesome if I could just get up in this pulpit one Sunday and say eight words and everybody in the church would stop and say, hey, let's repent. And all the sinners would say, let's get right with God. And, and we would have a revival, I would say, if that happened. Wouldn't you say? We would be exceedingly joyful. But it says in chapter 4, verse 1, this is the message this morning. And, and just in case you don't know what I'm going to preach on, here it is. It says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. Angry. This is, this is a hard thing to preach on. Some of you are, are getting nervous already, I can tell. There's, there's a few things that make Free Will Baptists nervous. Uh, when you preach on anger, they get nervous. When you preach on tithing, people get nervous, right? When you preach on, on purity and, 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 and you know sexual immorality and, and things of that nature, people get nervous. Anger, you know why it's such a touchy subject? You want to know why? I'm going to tell you why right now because a lot of people deal with it. Amen? Amen? Anger. We don't, it's something that is kind of taboo almost to talk about sometimes. But did you know that the Bible is quite clear on the message of anger? I'm going to tell you where this, this message really came from. Y'all want to hear a funny story, right? Y'all like my funny stories. And, and my funny stories usually end up with me being the, the butt of the joke, okay? Wednesday, this, this past Wednesday... Uh, and and I'll, I'm going to preface this. I, I generally don't have a problem with anger. Okay, generally. And Lacey said, uh, I'm going to go to the church with you today. She was out of school. Uh, with, can you all guess why? And, and she said, I'm going to go to the church with you while you study. And she said, I'm going to do some things. And I said, okay. So we get in the car. We drop the kids off. And we're on our way to church. And she said, let's go get some breakfast. I said, perfect I love breakfast it's my favorite meal I think breakfast is the best meal of the day amen <laughs> and and she said let's go get breakfast so I pulled in on Jefferson and I was going to pull into Wendy's and and if you've never had Wendy's breakfast it's okay <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say about it and I thought there's nobody in line there's probably a reason for that and and so she said let's go to Chick-fil-a and I said this is getting better by the minute let's go to Chick-fil-a and so we go over the hill and Chick-fil-a is closed it started right there I thought, okay, okay, we've, we've passed Wendy's, now Chick-fil-A's closed, now I'm on a, what's that road, is that Walnut right there, I guess? You're, Cecil, you're the directions guy, y'all know where I'm talking about, I was on the back side of Chick-fil-A. I keep going, I thought, forget it, I'm going to go to Bojangles, I love Bojangles. So I drove over to Bojangles and the line was wrapped around the building. Man, there again, Chick-fil-A's closed, Bojangles is wrapped around the building. So I'm going to go to McDonald's, McDonald's on Jefferson. Some of y'all are shaking your head. I don't know if y'all, and this, this, is where it, this is where it got bad. This is where God dealt with me, okay? I got in line at McDonald's, and some guy at McDonald's thought it was a good idea to put two drive through lanes at McDonald's. And the way this works, just in case you're one of these people, is you stay in line until it splits and you see an arrow. When you see an arrow, it's okay. But people think that it's okay to just go around everybody that's been sitting in line for 10 minutes, right? Y'all ever been there? Some of you have been there. So I, we've been in line, and I'm exaggerating. It's, it's probably only been five minutes or something like that. But I'm hungry. I've, I've already missed Chick-fil-A. I've missed Bojangles. Now I'm, I'm at the last ditch of, of McDonald's. And people are just passing me. And, and I'm getting mad. 
Now, I'm not, I, I did not say anything I should not have said, okay? Lacey, did I say anything I shouldn't have said? I didn't, I didn't roll down the window and give them a piece of my mind. I didn't honk my horn. All I did was I just I pulled out a line and I went on. I thought, this is the best thing I can do right now. Let's just get out of line. I said, I'm going to go back to Wendy's, back where I started. So I drive from McDonald's on Jefferson all the way, or McDonald's on Willow, all the way back to the Wendy's on Jefferson. I'm going to have me some Wendy's. I, there's no cars in the drive-thru. I thought, praise the Lord, finally we can get some breakfast. Remember, I'm, I'm angry right now. Are you all with me? Does everybody know I'm angry? We pull up to Wendy's, and the guy, you know, clicks on the little speaker, and he says, hey, welcome to Wendy's. He said, are you paying with cash or card this morning? And I said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay with a card. And he said, our card machine's down. I'm sorry, we can't accept it. <laughs> oh, boy. I, I still did not say anything that I should not have said. But I tell you what, it was in my heart. You ever been there? Something just, I mean, that's insignificant if you think about it, right? I mean, just trying to get breakfast. I'll tell you what we did. We had literally been driving around for 30 to 45 minutes at this point. I said, forget it. We're just going to wait till somewhere opens for lunch. And that's what we did. I skipped breakfast that morning. We had lunch. But that morning, I could have easily ruined my testimony. Did you know that? I could have easily lashed out at somebody and then pulled away. And you know what they would have seen as I was pulling away? The only thing they would have seen was that blue sticker just like that on the back of my car. And they would have said, I wonder who that guy is. I could have ruined it right there. Anger is something that we all deal with. Some of us deal with it to a worse extent than others. You know, some people, you, you, all, you all know somebody, and I, and I hope if you don't know anybody like this, it's probably you, okay? But we all know somebody that just has the worst temper in the world. You know what I mean? You know that person that, that, that if they would have just went to Chick-fil-A and it had been closed, they'd have lost their mind right there. Or if one little thing messes up or if one little thing doesn't agree with them, then, then they just get mad and, and they just, what we used to call it growing up is flying off the handle. Anybody know what flying off the handle is? If somebody could explain that to me after church, that would be great. But that's what we did. That person, they just fly off the handle. And then some people are just the opposite of it. They get angry, but they keep it inside of them. And they bottle it up. And, and you don't know that they're angry, but they are. And so you say, well, well where are you going with this? The word angry here that, that Jonah is, says, it's the word chara in Hebrew. And it means to be hot, to be furious, to, to, to be kindled up. I don't know about you, but have you, have you ever got mad and just, and, and, and just see somebody's face get red? Y'all ever seen that? It, it starts about right here at your neck, at your collar line, right? And, and, am I telling the truth or y'all, and some of you think I'm just crazy. But you feel that feeling and you start getting hot. And I believe God knew exactly what he was doing when, when, he, when he created that word for them to use. That anger is just, it's just to be kindled up. To be stirred up. To be shaken up. And you know what I found out? 
You know, people, we're, we're a lot like a carbonated soda. If you shake us up and then open us, whatever's on the inside is going to spew out to the outside. Amen? And that's what happens to us a lot of time is we have that anger inside of us and something shakes us up and we get mad and then whatever it is comes out. Now I'm going to stop right there and I'm going to put the brakes on this for just a moment. And I'm going to tell you this and you may not believe it, anger is not a sin. Oh man, you think, well praise the Lord, I don't have to repent today. I don't have to go to the altar. And you know, and, and don't, don't get me wrong, I'm going to preach on this a little more. I'm going to expound on it. But, but anger is not a sin. Do you know how I know it's not a sin? I'm going to give you some Bible to back that up. Number one, I know that anger is not a sin because God gets angry sometimes. You know how I know God gets angry? Let's go read Exodus chapter 4 verse 14. And the anger of the Lord, that's God, was kindled against Moses. The best guy that he had. I'm talking the leader of Israel. The anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he says, And it's not Aaron the Levite thy brother. I know that he can speak well. And so Moses gives God an excuse as to why he can't lead the people. And God got angry. You know, Jesus got angry too. Did you know that? Jesus, in John chapter 2, just after he turned the water into wine... Jesus just started his earthly ministry in John chapter 2, and you can write this down, verses two or verses 13 through 16. Jesus turns water into wine, and he leaves there, and he goes to the temple. And you know what he finds in the temple? He finds people selling doves, people selling sacrifices, and money changers. And you know what Jesus did? He made a little whip out of cords, and he drove them out of there. Now, does the Bible ever say that Jesus, does it say explicitly that Jesus was angry? No. But I believe implicitly, if you read this text, you don't just make a scourge out of cords and drive people out of somewhere unless you're a little bit angry. Wouldn't you say amen to that? So if, if God could, could get angry and Jesus could get angry, that means that it's probably not a sin. Amen. Because Jesus cannot commit sin. God cannot commit sin. Anger in itself is not a sin. The problem is, is what comes after the anger. And so we, we have that example that, that God sometimes gets angry. So I'm going to ask you a question. And, and this is a, a, very, a very simple question. But it, it's one that we could talk about all day. And, and if you're, you're probably, some of you are sitting there thinking about, this sounds like a psychology uh, speech right now. I'll tell you what, everything I know about psychology, I could write down on the back of that post-it note, okay? I'm just going to give you a Bible this morning, amen? Well, what causes people to be angry? I would say that that is probably the one emotion that we, that we deal with almost more than anything else. I looked this up, and, and uh, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. You can say amen if you want to. But I thought, what, what are our basic emotions? You know, I'm not emotional, so I may not even experience all these. I'm not sure. And they said that the first one is anger, followed by disgust, fear, happiness, sadness, and surprise. Those are our basic emotions. That, that, that is what we go through on a daily basis, and we're generally feeling one of those to some extent sometimes. But I know a lot of times we're, we're angry 
more than we're happy. We're angry more than we're sad. We're angry more than we're anything else. And it's easy to get angry, isn't it? It, it? Sometimes I get angry for no reason. I get angry because I can't get a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit in the morning or a Chick-fil-A biscuit. Daniel should have been there standing in that drive-thru. And Daniel, I was mad at you that morning. No, not really. But it's the smallest little things that make us angry. The first thing that I would say that, that makes a lot of people angry, and it's what I experienced, and, and it's actually to a far greater extent what Jonah experienced, is, is one thing that makes us angry is, is disappointment. When we're disappointed in something, a lot of times we get angry about it. Now, I was getting more disappointed by the minute. Every, every, every mile I drove that day, I was getting more disappointed. But Jonah... In this reading that I read, he thought that Nineveh should have been wiped off the face of the earth. He thought that, that okay, God, I have delivered my message. Now I'm going to go up here and I'm going to sit on this hill. And I'm going to maybe sit here 40 days and I'm going to watch you send a fireball down and destroy these people. But instead, what happened? Everybody repented, right? And the king repented. And it sounds like to me, I don't know about this, but it sounds like they, even, they, 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 was, they were making their animals repent. That's what it sounds like. They, they wouldn't let their animals eat anything. And they got in a position of mourning and they asked God to forgive them. Verse 9 of chapter 3, this is, this is the king. He says, who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? Again, there's God's anger. And they repented. And Jonah saw it. And he said, you know what? That is not what should have happened. And I'm going to be mad about it. In chapter 4 verse 1. But it displeased Jonah. Or Jonah was disappointed exceedingly. And he was very angry. You see those two words right there? Exceedingly and very. They, they, they go together. They, they, he was extremely angry. He was just mad. And, and I bet his face turned red. And God asked him a question. He said, doest thou well to be angry? I like that question, don't you? God could have said, you know what, Jonah? He said, forget you. He could have said, you, you did what I said, but now you're sitting here and, and you're, you're just acting like a, a fool, if I can say that. He said, you're acting like a child. Maybe I should just destroy you. But God said, doest thou well to be angry? Is it doing you any good? And Jonah said, you just, you just ought to kill me, God. Another thing that I believe that, that, that makes people angry is, is it's disappointment. But it's disappointment over and over and over and over again. And you know what we call that? We call that frustration. Disappointment and frustration, they go hand in hand. Sometimes I get frustrated. And I know that's hard to believe. But I'll, t I'll tell you when I get frustrated... I get frustrated when Lacey asks me to work on something. I, I have a, tools at home. If you ever need to borrow a tool, just call me because I probably don't know how to use it properly. But Lacey will say, hey, will you fix this? Or, or, or Shaylee's broke this or, 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 you know, put this together and hands me a box. <laughs> That's frustration right there. And I start working on something and it doesn't go like I think it should. And you know, I try it this way and then that doesn't work. And so I try it this way and it doesn't work. And I try it over and over and over and over again. And finally, I go get the instructions out of the trash can. 
and I, and I do it right, but I get mad. And I think that God might, might would want to ask me that question when I do that. Hey, is it doing you any good to be angry right now? No, it's not. Is everybody with me? Is everybody okay this morning? We get frustrated at the, at the smallest, the, the silliest things. There, did you know there are things that should make you angry? There are things that should make you angry. But the things that we get angry at are, are, just, are just so silly. They're just so small and, and it doesn't amount to anything sometimes. But yet we get so mad and we do things. But then here it is. Here's, here's the biggest one. Sometimes we get angry for a moment. You know, that's, that's, when I get mad, generally that's, that's how it happens. Is I get mad and, and it just all comes out real fast and then it's over with. And, and you know, I may, have, I may have made an idiot out of myself. I may have said things that I shouldn't say. Men, wives, amen right there. But it, it just generally all pops out, you know. Boom, it's over with. And then I go back to being me. Everything's good. But some people stay perpetually angry. They're mad all the time. You ever seen those people? They just walk around. See, anger, anger is not only an emotion, but it's also a posture. It's also how we carry ourselves. You know, you've met people, and, and believe it or not, there's a few of them roaming around in churches. Oh, me. And the, it, it's these people that, that when they just walk in the door, you can, I mean, if they walked in that door right there, back there, I could just tell by their face or the way they're walking and they carry themselves, they're mad about something. And oh, by the way, the last time I saw them, they were mad about something else. And the time before that, uh, they were mad about something else then. And they're perpetually, they're just angry all the time. You know those people, don't you? But one of the reasons I think, and especially in church, because I want this to apply to the people sitting in here. You know, this message is for us. It's not for anybody else, but it's for us this morning. One of the reasons that people walk around in church angry is because they've been hurt. Somehow, somewhere. I think one of the biggest causes of our anger is just, it's just simply pain. It, it, it's where, and maybe you think, well, they shouldn't be mad. And, and sometimes you ask somebody, why are you mad? I've asked Lacey that before. It's not a question you ask your wife, by the way, men. You say, why are you mad? And they'll tell you, and you think, that is so silly. That made you, I said this, and that made you mad. But regardless of whether it's right or wrong, She's angry. And it's because I hurt her. Or, or going beyond that, as a pastor of a church, sometimes I, I say things that hurt people. I don't, I don't do it on purpose. But sometimes we say things to hurt people. Sometimes people say things to hurt each other. I think about uh, the first time that anger ever showed up in the Bible. You know when that was? It was in Genesis. And it was, it was between Cain and Abel. And, and Cain and Abel brought, brought their offering to God. 
and presented it to God. And, and God accepted Abel's offering and rejected Cain's. And Genesis chapter 4 verse 5 says this. It says, but unto Cain and to his offering he had no respect. It says, and Cain was very wroth. That word wroth is the same Hebrew word as angry. You can say it in many ways. And it says that Cain was very wroth. And then it says something right here. And it says, and his countenance fell. He was not the same, your countenance. That's, that's what people see. That's, that's when I look at you and I see you. That's your countenance and that's how, you, how I perceive you. And it was probably very obvious to Abel when, when Cain's countenance fell, uh-oh, this is not good. And God saw that and probably Abel saw that. You know, sh let me ask you this. You all know that story, right? God rejected Cain's offering, right? But you know who the victim of that anger was? It was Abel. Did Abel do anything wrong in that situation? It wasn't Abel that rejected Cain's offering. It was God. And yet Abel, or yet Cain lashed out in his anger and committed the first murder that we know of in the Bible. Killed his brother. All over anger. And so that's the next thing. We see that, that, that Cain was probably, that probably hurt him. Wouldn't you say that, that it hurt? When you, when you go offer somebody something, you know, let, let's just, this hypothetically, let's say that somebody's, somebody's sick and, and you bake them a, a, a big old pie, you know. We all, everybody likes pie. And, and, I, and you bake them a big old pecan pie and you take it to them. And the next person, they bake them a big old German chocolate cake. And, and you both show up at the same time and say, here you go. This is for you. And they take that German chocolate cake and they say, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that, that we got this. But that pecan pie, you can take that back home with you. I don't want that. And then the person with the pie goes off and, and beats up the person with the cake. Was the person with the cake in, in fault? Absolutely not. But we get hurt so easily. We, we, we end up in pain so easily. See, here's the thing about it. I'm going to read you a verse from the book of Hebrews. Or the book of Ephesians, I'm sorry. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. This is what the Apostle Paul said. And this is really all he ever said on anger. He said, be ye angry and sin not. And then he goes on and he says, Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. And then verse 27, he says, Neither give place to the devil. Be ye angry. If we stop there, boy, that, wouldn't that be a good commandment in the Bible? Just be angry. Be ye angry. You can be angry. But he said, When you're angry, do not sin. He said, Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. And so I think that's that there, here's, here's where it turns bad. Again, if, if you're angry this morning because of disappointment, and you're angry because, because of you've been hurt or because of whatever, whatever it may be, there's a lot of different reasons. That, that is by no means an exhaustive list of why people get angry. But if that's you this morning, it may not be wrong. But the next part may be. 
You notice that when, when, when Paul wrote this, he said, and sin not. And then he said, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. So obviously what he's saying here is that you can't be angry after dark, right? That's not what the Bible means when it says that. The Apostle Paul, what he's saying is that, that when, when, you let, when you let this happen, he said you go to bed angry, he said, and then you get up angry the next day. And then you go to bed angry, and you get up angry the next day. And this is a process that, that, that breeds more anger, and it, and it causes some things. And then here's where it gets really bad. See, what does anger cause if left unchecked? I would say the first thing that we see that anger causes more than anything in the world is it causes bitterness. People just get bitter. You know any bitter people? You know, those are the people I talked about. When they walk in the back door and you look at them and they got that look on their face, it's that coworker that you have, and, and every, every workplace has got one. And I'm, I, me and Caleb are the only two people employed here, so one of us is bitter, brother. I hate, no, I'm just kidding. But, but we all know those people that are absolutely bitter. And, and it says, Hebrews 2, 12, 15 says, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. See, we, a lot of people, and, and sometimes I have it, and, and where you see it is, is a lot of married couples, the root of bitterness shows up. They, they're angry all the time and, and they stay mad. And then finally they get bitter with each other and they, they, just, they just snap for no reason. You ever saw people do that? Just, just bite your head off for no reason and we get bitter. He said, he said, pay attention. He said, because the root of bitterness can defile you. And then another thing that it causes is, is it causes resentment. It causes us to look at other people and just hate other people simply because they are in the room with us. I'm going to read you just a little section of scripture from 1 Samuel. Just, just bear with me for a minute. 1 Samuel 18 verse 5, it says, And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. This sounds like it's starting good. And Saul sent him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And it came to pass as they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistines, that the women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy, and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Now listen, verse 8. And Saul, Saul was very wroth and the saying displeased him and he said they have ascribed unto David ten thousands and to me they have ascribed but thousands and what can he have more but the kingdom and Saul eyed David from that day forward he looked at David with resentment he looked at David with an angry heart Simply because somebody was, was praising David and it says Saul was wroth and it, the saying displeased him. And what it ultimately led to was the, the, the two things that have no place in the heart of any Christian. You ready for this? And that's hatred and jealousy. You can say amen now. Those, those don't belong in somebody that says they're saved. 
See, God, God may be angry, but He's not going to hate anybody. God, it says that God is a jealous God, but that's because He's the only one to be worshipped. Amen? See, jealousy doesn't have a place in our heart and hatred doesn't. But ultimately, those things can destroy us from the inside out. I'm not just talking about from the inside of the church. I'm talking about from the inside of us. You want to see a miserable person? You want to see somebody that doesn't have joy in their heart? It's somebody that's jealous of people. It's somebody that hates other people. It's somebody that walks around bitter and and their joy is stolen. And I believe that that's why Paul said, he said, be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. And then the very next verse he says, neither give place to the devil. Because those things that come out of anger are not of God. They're of the devil. Amen. This is is really hard stuff to preach. I, I, I really struggled with this all week. But I want you to understand that, that if, if you have that inside of you, we all do at some point. We, we really do. And, and sometimes anger is okay. I get, I get mad about things that are right or things that are wrong in this world. You know, I get, I get mad about abortion. Amen? I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm angry at the, that. But I don't hate those people because they're lost people doing what lost people do. I hate the process. There's a lot of things that, that I get mad at that, that it's okay. But when it really becomes a problem is, is when, when I get mad at Mason and I stay mad at Mason. And I get bitter at him because of something that, that probably doesn't amount to anything. I could think of something right now to get mad at Mason about. We played in a golf tournament and he hit some bad shots. Did I hit some bad shots? I think he's bitter at me for that. And I could look at people in here and you could look at me. And we could every, I guarantee that almost every single person in here could find some reason to be mad at another person in the church except Sister Vivian. Nobody can be mad at her because she's a sweet little lady. Amen. But ever, you are, Sister. I don't think anybody's ever been mad at you. <laughs> but we could all put ourselves on parade and, and, and just file through and, and say, yeah, I, I don't like this person because. And I don't like this person because. And I'm mad at them. Would you believe what they said about me three years ago? You've heard that, right? People stay mad for years and years and years. And we're bitter. We're resentful. We're hateful. And we're jealous. Be ye angry and sin not. Did Jonah, was Jonah in the right when he was angry? Absolutely not. Anger in itself is not a sin, but Jonah's result of that, which was hatred for the Ninevites, was was so wrong, and God was not pleased with that. And you know, we we never even hear anything else out of Jonah. We don't know what happened. But it said Jonah was angry. So I'm going to ask you that question this morning. And, and it's a real simple question, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask it. This is God asking the question, okay? Jonah chapter 4, verse 4. Doest thou well to be angry? Or, or in, in modern terms, is it doing you any good to be angry? 
Let's pray. Father, we love you. And Lord, what a, what a difficult subject to, to breach this morning. And God, I just pray that people's hearts would be tender. And God, I just pray that this morning that you would, you would take away all anger from, from our folks. God, that you would deal with people about bitterness and about resentment and about jealousy and about hatred and about all these wicked things that come from anger. God, thank you for dealing with me this week and, and convicting me. Lord, I thank you for that. And as hard as it is to say, Lord, I needed to be straightened out because it didn't amount to anything. But Lord, there are people that have been dealing with these things for years and years and years, maybe even decades. I, I, I don't know, but God, you do. And God, I just pray that you would help people and Lord, that you would just minister to us. And God, that you would give us the spirit of grace this morning for each other knowing that we are imperfect. God, help your people save the lost. In Jesus' name, amen.